0: Our guest today has a new book out. It's called Gone Viral, How COVID Drove the World Insane. It's number one on Amazon in infectious, in the infectious diseases category. He shreds all the myths about COVID and gives you the tools you need to stop the madness if they try to do it again. And he's coming up on this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and let you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 274 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show for Thursday, November 3rd, 2022. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6 political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And August 8, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the f- home of a former president of the United States is the day that shall live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Justin Hart is an executive consultant With over 25 years' experience creating data-driven solutions for Fortune 500 companies and presidential campaigns alike, Mr. Hart is the chief data analyst and founder of RationalGround.com, which helped companies, public policy officials, and even parents gauge the impact of COVID-19 across the country. The team at RationalGround.com offered alternative solutions and how to move forward during the pandemic, and now they offer advice on how to put it forever in our rearview mirrors. Mr. Hart's new book is entitled, Gone Viral, How COVID Drove the World Insane. None other than Dr. Scott Atlas, former special advisor to President Trump, says Justin Hart lays out the truth about COVID and exposes the national response to the pandemic as a failure of logic and science. It's an honor to welcome Justin Hart to the Doc Washburn Show. How are you today, sir? Uh, Doc, great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Very good. Thank you, sir. Okay, let's start at the beginning. You were a successful entrepreneur when 15 Days to Slow the Spread kicked in in the middle of March 2020. How did that affect your livelihood, and what did you do in response?
1: You know, I had the best clientele going into 2020. I was so excited for the year. I had three major clients. Uh, The first one was uh, golf excursions for baby boomers. The second one was uh, I, a platform for parents who wanted to send their kids to college. And the third one was a high-end vacation club for families. And as you can imagine from the context of what we now know of what happened in 2020, those companies were dead by the time the spring was out. So I had some time on my hands, and I thought to myself, let's talk about the Rona. This seems to be ruining my life and everyone else's life. Yeah. What is happening with this? I have a background as a deep data analyst. Um, and I provided dashboards and charts and infographics for people to better understand what was going on. And when I looked at the data and then compared that to what Dr. Fauci was saying in front of Congress, that one out of 100 people were going to die from this thing, I said, this is wrong. He doesn't know what he's talking about. This is not what the data shows me. And I you know, normally wouldn't insert myself into someone else's domain. As I say, outset in the book, Gone Viral, How COVID Drove the World Insane, I said I'm not a healthcare expert, but I have no pro- You know, they they seem to have no problem inserting themselves into my domain, right? My kid's life, my education, uh, my coffee shop, my barbershop, and I said I think I'm going to push back a little bit on this. I found a bunch of experts, uh, lay activists, moms and dads who were willing to take up the cause as well. And I've got eight kids, so I was like, I've got to get my kids back in school. That was the main reason I wrote this book and took to the streets to basically be a covid contrarian if you will excellent
0: so how did the covid mandate uh how do, pardon me how did the covid madness uh including mandates i'm sure affect your family
1: well it was pretty dramatic i had uh both a kid who were in high school in middle school in grade school and i had had some in uh in preschool and i remember talking to our preschool teacher she was devastated she says your kid is just not going to be ready for kindergarten. I cannot teach them how to pronounce the letter H through a mask, right? Yeah. You, know, you and I, Doc, we're adults. When the, when the edicts came down and impacted our lives, we're adults. We're going to try to deal with it. I think we're going to take that to the polls these next weeks here and make some changes. Our kids don't have that luxury. So this book, my effort here was to demonstrate to my kids and our generation that we were going to stand up for them and make sure this never happens again.
0: Okay, so your book reminds us of those in our government who decided people with no symptoms could infect other people with this awful disease, perhaps even killing them, so everyone, including toddlers, had to wear masks everywhere. Uh, Then there was this frightening statement. We gave the keys of the kingdom to people who hadn't Seen a patient in 30 years. That's at the end of your, your, your first chapter. Could you please expound on that for my listeners?
1: Yeah, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, and the rest of this crew are politicians primarily. They've spent the bulk of their career now as policy advisors and mostly as money pushers. They make the decisions on where the grant money goes for the NIH. And these are people who are very disconnected. Uh, my group was the lead group behind Scott Atlas when he was at the White House. We provided pro bono assistance and charts and data, whatever he needed to help write the ship there. And uh, you know, we'd speak to him on a regular basis. And, and these are, you know, I, I asked Dr. Atlas one time. I said, "Why aren't they changing course? You know, you've provided all the evidence that kids should be back in school, and these quarantines aren't working, and the shutdowns are harmful." I said, what's going on? Maybe they're just having trouble saving face. And he turned to me and said, Justin, no, these people are not smart. They're dumb. I said, oh, no. Ineptitude was one of the key factors that really resonates across all of our government health care overlords. They don't know what they're doing.
0: We're speaking with Justin Hart. His new book has gone viral, how COVID drove the world insane. You know, talking about how dumb they are. Um, it hasn't been too many months since Dr. Deborah Burks put out her book about the whole situation, kind of a biographical, I guess, account of of what she did. And she talks about knowing early on that the vaccines weren't going to work. And she talks about uh, um, putting out uh, papers and having them rejected and then uh, getting with her team over the weekend and moving things around in the paper and uh, so maybe they could uh, basically pull a fast one on President Trump, go behind his back. Um, I don't think it's really smart to be ad- admitting that uh, publicly. What is your take on
1: Burks? Look, the, the hubris among all these peoples was off the charts. They, they literally thought that they could stop an aerosolized viral respiratory pathogen in the middle of a pandemic with a, a cloth across your face. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so Dr. Dr. Burks was one of the, the key culprits here. She had a very charm on this. And, and actually, I would actually put a lot of the blame on vice president Pence who shepherded her around the country, introducing her to all the governors Including, for example, the governor of Ohio, DeWine, who, otherwise than being a pretty good Republican, was awful on the episodes of the COVID pandemic, keeping things locked down because Burks got to him. And uh, unfortunately, Vice President Pench shepherded a lot of these people from, uh, you know, the demonstrably, demonstrably bad decisions they were making. Um, just like an example, this is one that cuts across political boundaries. It's a stat we mentioned in the book. It's undeniable, and everyone will understand it. We believe, Doc, that in the spring of 2020, we probably missed about 200,000 cases of potential domestic abuse. Why? Because it's, it's, those are usually caught by sharp-eyed administrators and school teachers, yeah. and kids weren't in school to catch it. Oh,
0: man. So why did the powers that be insist on COVID lockdowns, and, and, and what do we learn from them?
1: Well, I I think they they somehow thought that they could uh, replicate what was happening over in China. If you read the writings of Dr. Fauci over the last four decades, you see this increasing frustration that he has that he can't control humanity. He can't control the spread of these viral respiratory diseases. In their mind, if one person dies, it's a failure on their part or at least they think themselves as some heroic venture. Some of your uh, listeners may remember the movie Outbreak in the 90s with Dustin Hoffman, and he's chasing down this errant monkey that's infected with a virus and trying to be the hero of the scene. They really do picture themselves like Dustin Hoffman in Outbreak, when in truth, they're more like Walter Peck in Ghostbusters, right? The (laughs) EPA inspector who goes down and shuts down the power grid and lets all the ghouls loose. That's exactly what their efforts created, a very monster, horrific uh, environment for most of America.
0: So what about what about social distancing? Six feet? No, 10 feet. Uh, where did that come from? Oh, we don't know. Uh, and yet they insisted on it.
1: You know, it, it is an absolute nightmare of all these things. It was like the chaos theory of butterflies and hurricanes, right? A, a butterfly flaps its wings on this side of the world and creates a hurricane on the other side, literally there was one decision that led to all of these terrible interventions. That was the assumption that the spread of the virus was happening because of asymptomatic people, right? People who were getting infected, didn't know it and we're spreading it everywhere that led to social distancing to masks to the tens of millions spent on plexiglass the quarantining of healthy people for limited exposure this was an awful decision and it was made on bad data we now know that asymptomatic spread probably accounts for less than one percent of all the infections and yet that one assumption led to all these disastrous decisions we're
0: speaking with justin hart the new book is called gone viral how COVID drove the world insane. That brings me to my next question here on my list. There's a chilling sentence in a chapter in your book in which you discuss how the government's response to COVID caused our economy to grind to a halt. You said every industry was impacted by these backups and all because someone assumed that even though you weren't sick, you might be a killer. Now, I've often said if you believe you can infect someone with a disease that can kill him, even though you never exhibit symptoms, there will never be a reason to stop wearing masks. What, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think it really is a control mechanism. Masks were used as some type of panacea tool that our uh, politicians could use, you know, as an excuse for things going up and down. So if cases go up, then you're not wearing the mask enough. If cases go down... Thank you for wearing the mask, right? It's a crazy scenario where we really have put us in the, 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 you know, forcing the government to say, you are your brother's keeper, and I'm going to make sure of it, right? Yeah. And once you're beholden to everyone else, they can put up any sort of excuse. And again, this book is designed, it's a weapon, it's a tool, it's a defense that people can use because these same tactics, while they might be in our rearview mirror, they will pop up again for the next wave of COVID, for the next pandemic, or for the next, imagined boogeyman-like climate change activism, right? They're going to put it to use there. They're very pleased that a good portion of our populace came right under the thumb obediently.
0: Could you please tell our listeners what the Great Barrington Declaration was and, and what the effect of that document was?
1: Yeah, the Great Barrington Declaration was put together by three great epidemiologists, John Bocittaria, uh, sorry, uh, 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 Jay Bocittaria, uh, Martin Kulldorf, and Sunetra Gupta. They came together and said, look, this one-size-fits-all policy of everyone needs to quarantine, everyone needs to shut down, is wrong. We should do focused protection. The big lie that is out there is that everyone has the same risk of COVID. That is not the case. It's almost exclusively by age. A person, the average age of death is 80 years old, so a child who is 10 years old literally has a risk of dying that is 100,000 times lower than their grandparent or great-grandparent there, right? Yeah. So you should treat that expressly. The GBD, the Great Barrington Declaration, uh, put that in in together. Jay's got a a little blurb on the cover of our book uh, advocating for it because he knew that that Focus protection was the right way to go instead of this one-size-fits-all policy that just demonstrably, de- uh, you know, devastated our, our society. Yeah, no question about it. Um,
0: you know, one of the things I noticed um, about a year ago, the governor of Arkansas had something on his Facebook page. Uh, there was a, a photo op. I think it was Coca-Cola was giving some, uh, some bicycles away to small children at an elementary school in Little Rock, Arkansas. So the photo op, you see the governor of Arkansas, you see the mayor of Little Rock, uh, you see a, a U.S. congressman, um, uh, the school superintendent, somebody else, and they're all standing there with this big check, you know, pretty uh, a pretty normal photo op. You know, here's the money from Coca-Cola to buy the bikes for the kids at this school. And there are four or five, five- or six-year-olds standing in front all with masks on. None of the adults are wearing masks. And I shared it on my Facebook page, and I called it child abuse. And I had several people who are my Facebook friends responding, what's, what's child abuse about Coca-Cola giving away bicycles to, to little children? It's like, you know, one of the points you make in your book is that we have become so inured to what they're doing to us, if they try to do this, the the kinds of things they did to us before COVID, we would have said, get out of here, you're insane. And now people don't even notice it. And I had to explain, well, no, actually the child abuse is the the, the five-year-olds are wearing masks and the adults are like, that doesn't apply to us. Uh,
1: What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a devastating consequence that we've had where we've broken the psychology of, of so many people Um, I I think, uh, in truth, it's going to take us some time to repair. We were in the first groups. We actually took the mask kids off of a dozen kids. Moms gave us their, their masks in Florida. We sent them to a lab, and we said, what's on these masks? Well, the lab came back, and these kids had worn them for just like 12 hours. Pneumonia, tuberculosis, meningitis, cow herpes, right? It's not just that it was embarrassing and ridiculous that the kids had to follow this. It was actually harmful to these kids and yet we still did it, and it became kind of a cult type of approach where somehow you thought this was going to stop the disease and protect everyone, uh, but it devastated the learning of our kids. If there's a uh, speech pathologist within your audience, and I'm sure there is, they just need to know they have job security for life. Uh, We're seeing a 300% increase in the IEPs for kids with speech development problems because they couldn't see another person's face moving to get that social interaction. It's going to devastate a whole generation of kids here. We're
0: speaking with Justin Hart. His new book has gone viral, how COVID drove the world insane. So that was your group. I remember hearing about that. That was your group uh, that took a bunch of these masks that kids had worn all day long and and sent them to uh, to a lab to see what was on the masks. And and it was all of these uh, diseases. That, I mean, the, that I'd almost forgotten about that because I guess that was a couple of years ago. Did that have any effect? Were, were you able to
1: get anywhere with, with, with pointing that out? Well, I, I think it, it made people look down at their kids' masks, see the grossness inside of it, and say, yeah, maybe this isn't, maybe this isn't there. Look, I think most people, because they succumb to sort of the, um, you know, the government interventions, they felt to themselves, I really don't want to get into the fight And one of the things you realize quickly is that if you don't fight back on the government, they're going to take away, you know, your right to assembly, your right to practice religion. And then that basic tenet of wanting to pursue happiness, they took that away from us, right? They kept the strip clubs open and they closed the schools. It's a a devastating consequence of all these interactions, uh, and it's created a a real break in our society. People are just now coming back. The book is really designed for a lot of those folks who are coming back from the darkness want to capture what happened, and also have the tools ready. We've got some great letters to your school board or to the county that you can use in the back if this ever rears its head again.
0: Now, what? speaking of keeping the strip clubs open and closing the schools, they also closed churches in some states. Um, they also kept Walmart, Sam's Club, Costco, Target, um, uh, Home Depot, Lowe's, Kroger. They kept all of those open. And even in a red state like Arkansas, where we thought, well, you know, the lockdowns weren't nearly as bad here as they were in, in say, Illinois or New York or California, um, the supposedly Republican governor in, in the state of Arkansas sent his health inspectors out from the health department out on small mom-and-pop businesses with a vengeance and just didn't touch the big box stores, of course, Walmart, Sam's Club. Uh, Is based in in Arkansas. What should that tell us? Uh, you know who they went after and
1: who they didn't go after. Yeah, unfortunately, it's kind of history repeating itself. Four hundred years ago in Milan, Italy, where a real plague hit the plague. Yeah, they had this same scenario. The Monati, this group of unelected bureaucrats that were positioned over people, could decide exactly what went, what didn't. We had it on good authority from uh, several restaurateurs and retailers in Los Angeles that there were people basically coming around with protection money saying, you pay us $3,000, $5,000, and we'll make sure that the health care inspectors give you a a bill bill of good health, right? That was devastating. And then you could have a restaurant that was literally 100 feet away from the county of Orange County, where they're relatively open, and people could sit down and eat joyfully just a block away. On L.A., you were strangled. The nonsense, the, the, it, it just overtook every aspect of our society, every industry. And, and the consequences are deadly because the main tool they used was fear. Doc, we believe that in the spring of 2020, because the oncologists, the cancer doctors, were the first ones to bring this up to us and said, either COVID has cured cancer or something else is happening altogether. Because they were seeing half as many cases on a monthly basis that they typically would. And the reason why... People were too scared to go out and get treatment, and that has devastating consequences.
0: No question about it. So in in the wake of all of this, in the past few days, there's an economics professor at Brown University named Emily Oster who has written an article at The Atlantic magazine calling for a pandemic amnesty. Her point seems to be that those who made life difficult and sometimes impossible for the rest of us really couldn't have known what they were doing. So let's let bygones be bygones, put it all behind us, and, and just move on.
1: Uh, your, your thoughts about that? Well, first, I'm glad she acknowledges the devastation that they have brought. That's, that's hard to get out of these people. And uh, Emily was not an innocent bystander here. Uh, she was one of the, the key fellows who had invaluable data around COVID. From August 2020 until the next year, she had collected cases in schools schools that were masking, schools that weren't masking. We compared the data and showed that the schools that were masking had a 20% higher case rate than the ones that had the masks off of kids. And, And she had this data, she had a study she put out, and then she sat on it. She sat on it because the pressure came, and she stayed silent on that issue. She'd talk about safely opening schools, but it meant the same that everyone else did, which is um, basically quarantine on the slightest exposure. Uh, This was devastating, and people like Emily, we need to hold them accountable. We welcome them. Doc, we welcome them to team reality where they acknowledge these issues, right? Yeah. Uh, They should never, ever have an influence on public policy again.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. From your lips to God's ears, I'm noticing in in some of the footnotes uh, in your book you're talking about the, uh, the the myocarditis, and, you know, it, just a few weeks ago, an executive for Pfizer testified under oath to the European Union um, Parliament that, no, they did not check the Pfizer vaccine to see if it would actually stop the transmission of the virus before they rolled it out, which you would think would be an alarming admission should have been front page news should have been all over um you know all the news channels on on cable i didn't even see it on 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 fox news but in the meantime you have all these healthy young people teenagers dropping dead from heart attacks or getting myocarditis or whatever and they've always been vaccinated um how do you how do you break through and let people know what's going on
1: you know, it's going to be a very difficult process. I have it on good authority that if there is a changing of the guard here in November, that there will be hearings next year. We need to hold their feet to the fire to make that happen because we need transparency. We need to understand how this stuff all happens because we may make the same mistakes again. Let me give you a headline. This is out of the Santa Barbara News in California. It said, masks are the chief ally of the disease they become a virtual incubator of bacteria that was written in 1918 we we knew way back then during that pandemic that mask mandates didn't work and yet we tried them again those who don't learn from history right yeah yeah are doomed to
0: repeat it and as Mar- as mark twain said history doesn't always repeat but sometimes it rhymes so so, for instance, if if um, if Republicans do take over the House and or the Senate, um, would you be willing to and do you expect to uh, be called to testify?
1: Well, I, I hope I can testify from a parent's point of view, from someone who's been involved and stuck my neck out for this um, for now two years. My, my first article in March was uh, how the coronavirus dashboard's will kill us all long before the virus ever will. Those data points really did take us down. And there were points, I have to admit, that I was scared. I was like, am I I downplaying this? Perhaps this is the great apocalypse. And then we had John Ioannidis, the most cited living scientist out of Stanford, say, this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime data disaster. And that's what we have to really take into account. The data was never looked at. They made terrible decisions everything from plexiglass to masks, from vax mandates to stay-at-home orders. Um, It has devastated. It is, as Dennis Prager says, probably the worst decision in American history. And we need to make sure that those who made it are held accountable, and more importantly, that they never, ever have an influence over public policy again.
0: Amen. Amen. Uh, Chapter 7 of your book, If You Die With COVID, Then You Die From COVID. Wrong. And you start off, we're talking about... Dr. Kerry Mullis, the guy who won the Nobel Prize for inventing the PCR uh, method, who uh, not only uh, was just severely critical of Anthony Fauci and, oddly enough, uh, passed away right before COVID rolled out, uh, but also made it clear over and over again that PCR is not a way to determine whether you have a virus is not a way to determine whether you're even sick, and yet, and yet, our our public health establishment, our government, uh, the health departments of fifty states insisted, "Oh, no, 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 no! That is exactly what we're going to use to determine uh, whether you have COVID or not." Is this PCR, which the guy who invented it said, "No, that's that's not what it does." Um, what's going on here?
1: Yeah, the PCR test is extremely sensitive. It can pick up a virus at five days or 75 days ago, and this was designed to catch the largest set of cases that you could. Even the New York Times admits that perhaps as much as 70% of all of the cases should never have been lit, you know, noted as a live virus, meaning you couldn't spread it. And yet that became the basis. If one of your kids' uh, neighbors, if one of their classmates tested positive in the fall of 2021, your kid immediately lost 10 days of schooling over and over again. It was a close down uh, by proxy. And these PCR tests uh, demonstrated, and it trickled all the way through the funnel down to the deaths. Wow. Okay, so
0: what do we do going forward? A lot of us are just uh, on pins and needles uh, waiting to see what the results of uh, uh, the uh, primary election uh, Tuesday of next week going to be. We're already being told by, by Biden, by the Secretary of State of Pennsylvania, well, you know, it could be a few days before we figure out who won this or who won that. And we're like, oh, man, not again. Uh, but uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get off track there. But going forward to try to keep um, – from going through, again, what we've been going through the last couple of years, what can a normal, average American citizen listening to the Doc Washman show today uh, plan to do?
1: Well, as you know, nothing heals that ideological divide between liberal and conservative families as quickly as when an unelected bureaucrat threatens to force an injection onto your child. Yeah. We are seeing a massive wave of independent and liberal women come over to this side because children are the key. And I think that's what people should really take away. You owe it to your kids to capture your stories, to read these stories. Some of them are painful. Some of the things we went through are extremely painful, but we need to have that history. Otherwise, you know, when you, you know, when you get in front of your school board and you're trying to make the case that your kids should actually stay in school and be educated or that your business should stay open, you need to have these things at your fingertips and say, no more, we're not going to do this again. Amen. Uh, Our guest
0: today has been Justin Hart. His new book, which I highly recommend, is called Gone Viral, How COVID Drove the World Insane. And indeed it did, and the the video is coming out of China. They're they're still insane over there. Uh, Brother Justin Hart, we appreciate you so much for coming on. Uh, the program today. We wish you Godspeed, and uh, as we say here in the South, y'all come see us.
1: Thanks, uh, great to be with you. All
0: right, have a great day. God bless you. Thank you. Wow, that's just amazing. That's just amazing. Now, I I, I want to follow up on that. I want to follow up on that with some thoughts with some thoughts from the great. Victor Davis Hansen has a new article out at AMgreatness.com. The left were the mad scientists and we were their lab rats. And give you some, uh, give you something to, to chew on with that. In the meantime, how are we able to continue doing what we do every day? Well, it's our friends, our advertisers that make it possible for us to continue doing the Doc Washman Show on a daily basis now into our second year. So let me just remind you, if you've tried to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage that you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they will drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see that each vehicle has a button that says, Explore Payment Options. You click that button, it guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences and all the math happens automatically so you can determine what monthly payments work best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live. RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. All right. And by the way, thank you so much to Mitch Ward, proprietor of Red River Your Way, for making this possible. We appreciate you, brother. Let me share this with you. Patriot Mobile. Have you heard about them yet? Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier, and now more than ever, it's important to band together, and support companies that share our conservative values. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, along with great discounts, for our veteran and first responder heroes as well as multi-line users. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you are shifting your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. When you become a Patriot Mobile member, your dollars are helping to fund our God-given right to freedom. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations The fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Oh, and and by the way, since I shifted from one of the major cell carriers to Patriot Mobile, I'm saving a lot of money on my monthly phone bill. You know, just in case you're looking for some area in your budget to save money. I don't know if you heard, but inflation is kind of a thing these days. All of us are looking to save money. Switching is easy. Just go to PatriotMobile.com or call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Make sure you use promo code DOC, that's D-O-C, for free activation. Now, Patriot Mobile is also now offering competitive business plans to suit companies of any size. If you're a conservative owned business, tired of seeing your hard earned dollars go to corporate woke agendas, switch to Patriot Mobile Business. You can find out all you need to know at business.patriotmobile.com or again call their 100% US based member services team at 469 Freedom. Use promo code DOC, D-O-C for free activation. That's business.patriotmobile.com or call 469 Freedom. Thank you so much to Glenn Story and the crew at Patriot Mobile for making it possible for us to continue doing what we do here on the Doc Watcher Show day in and day out now in our second year. The great Victor Davis Hansen. You have probably seen him on Fox News at some point or perhaps read one of his columns. He's got a new one out at amgreatness.com entitled The Left Were the Mad Scientists, We Were Their Lab Rats. He said, as the midterms approach, one way of looking at America's current disaster is that we, the American people, were lab rats. And since 2021, the left were the mad scientists eager to try out their crackpot leftist experiments on us. The result is that the housing market is tottering on the verge of collapse. As interest rates soar, our $31 trillion national debt crowds out everything else in the budget. Inflation roars at a rate of 8 to 9 percent per annum, higher than at any time in 40 years. Yet the prices of the stuff of life, food, Fuel, shelter, energy are far steeper still than the official rate. No one is safe from thugs anymore, whether a commuter on a New York subway or the Pelosi's in Pacific Heights in San Francisco. The country reportedly has a 25-day supply of diesel fuel, the energy source that runs the nation, Meanwhile, we keep draining the strategic petroleum reserve of oil, a commodity we have in abundance but refuse to produce fully. We never fixed the supply chain crisis of last year and so still face shortages of key consumer goods. The labor participation rate is at an all-time low given fat government COVID subsidies the siren song appeal of staying home after the lockdowns, fear of COVID and millions of workers with long COVID. The post Kabul Pentagon is quiet about the depletion of its critical stocks of weaponry. We have sent billions of dollars worth in howitzer shells, javelin missiles and Hillmar rocket launchers to Ukraine without replenishing our own arsenals. The Army's recruitment rate is off 50% this year. Our broken Navy is ossifying as China expands its fleet in expectation of absorbing Taiwan. When we look to the President for an accounting for these madcap experiments in the last few weeks, we get nothing. In the last few weeks, Joe Biden has lied. The gas was $5 a gallon when he took office when it was half that. He falsely swears that he passed the... His student loan amnesty plan by one or two votes when he simply signed away a half trillion dollars in debt by an executive order and bypassed Congress. Kamala Harris is our border czar, but she avoids the non existent southern border like the plague. As the country depletes its petroleum reserves, she gushes about solutions like transforming the nation's school bus fleet to battery power. On the rare occasion she is allowed abroad, Kamala Harris has no idea what North Korea's official name is, only that it is supposedly one of America's staunchest allies. We are now headed for a decisive midterm election. Strangely, the hard-left architects of the last two years neither offer a defense of their failing agendas nor agree to change them no democrat congressional candidates brag about the 3 million people who illegally crossed an open border none boast that they helped cancel key pipelines reduced federal leasing of gas and oil and shut down the arctic national wildlife refuge none take credit for hammering investments in fossil fuels None preen over the no bail and defund the police policies of left-wing, big city prosecutors and mayors who have spiked crime. None insist that an annual 8 to 9% inflation rate is a desirable spreading of the wealth. And yet, otter still, no Democrat candidate, state or national, and most certainly not Joe Biden, offers to alter These toxic policies, if they won't defend what they have done, they apparently will not undo what they have wrought either. No Democrat gubernatorial candidate wants one foot built of a new border wall. No House candidate demands that the Keystone Pipeline be finished. No Democrat senatorial candidate calls for fiscal discipline to lower inflation. Instead, they stay mute. Joe Biden mutters lies about MAGA extremists under every bed while daily offering yet another made-up tidbit of his fantasy autobiography. State and national candidates either avoid debates with their Republican opponents or delay them in hopes they will become irrelevant since millions of mail-in ballots are already cast. Rarely have voters turned over their country to radicals, socialists, and nihilists but we did in 2020. And once the left took the presidency, the House and Senate, they tried a deadly experiment on us, the American people, their veritable lab rats. It failed and has now nearly destroyed us along with the country. Yet in November, the left apparently demands more time for more experimentation on more of us. But to do what exactly? Pass more no bail laws and promote more defunding of the police? Make the jails and prisons emptier? More destruction of what's left of the southern border? More biological men overpowering women in sports? More printing of money? More cutting back on federal gas and oil leases and canceling pipelines? Apparently, the only thing that will stop their mad experimentation is that they have run out of us. They're once willing. Lab Rats. That is the great Victor Davis Hanson over at American Greatness, amgreatness.com. Article entitled, The Left Were the Mad Scientists, We Were Their Lab Rats. But i got to share another one with you. Eric Lindrum over at American Greatness. His new article that just dropped... New York Magazine writer says media is afraid to criticize the leftover COVID and Black Lives Matter. He says on Tuesday, a writer for New York Magazine conceded that the mainstream media goes to great lengths to avoid criticizing the left when it comes to issues such as the origins of the Chinese coronavirus and the race riots of 2020. As reported by Fox News, New York Magazine writer Jonathan Chait wrote an article, and accompanying tweet, encouraging progressive media to speak out against the madness of today's culture. He claims that many of his colleagues in the media have told him privately that they understand his critiques, but are terrified of saying so publicly. Jonathan Chait tweeted, The Washington Post's media critic admitted publicly what many people have told me privately. They didn't criticize crazy left-wing fads because they were afraid for their jobs. In his article, Jonathan Chait listed the violent race riots of 2020, committed largely by the far-left domestic terrorist groups Antifa and Black Lives Matter, as well as theories regarding the origins of the COVID-19 virus as two examples of topics that are considered taboo by the mainstream media. He says, for every person humiliated or fired for a small or non-existent offense, many other people will refuse to criticize even transparently absurd left-wing pieties, denouncing the arson and looting that often sprung up around the George Floyd protests, violated one such taboo. On COVID, Jonathan Chait added, progressives decided that the hypothesis that COVID-19 may have originated in a laboratory rather than zoonotically was racist. Even though this was a purely scientific question, the evidence was and is murky, and it was easier to imagine racist behavior resulting from a theory blaming COVID on Chinese cultural practices than a theory blaming China's government. Well, of course, Jonathan Chait was subsequently mocked all across Twitter for his statements. Christina Puchel, former press secretary for Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, declared that Chait's comments were proof that Democrats are the party of censorship, and ironically, their hall monitors with the title journalist are some of the most ardent and vocal censors of the regime. Radio host Eric Erickson out of Atlanta said, it's almost like there's a threat to a free press from the left. Townhall.com columnist Brad Slager said, I love that Chait writes this out. He bluntly confesses his posture was one of cowardice and mid-career risk management, yet his tweet admits to his own cowardice. Why not previously report what these people said to you? Mary Catherine Ham, former Fox News contributor, said, There's a ton of cowardice and conformity in the media. I have the advantage of coming sort of pre-canceled, a symptom itself of the conformity, so it's easier for me to deviate. But would my mid-career be better if I just said whatever everyone else did? Of course. Buck up and be weird. Wow. What a great article here. From Eric Lindrum over to American Greatness, amgreatness.com, article entitled, New York Magazine Writer Says Media is Afraid to Criticize the Left Over COVID and BLM. And boy, they certainly are. Okay, now let me ask you, are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Blood sugar issues? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, psoriasis, migraines? The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it is designed to do. I had severe hay fever for five or six weeks every spring all my life. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away, and it has never come back. The migraines went away too, by the way, and they never came back. Again, if you're suffering from sinus conditions, allergies, vertigo, psoriasis, migraines, blood sugar issues, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. They have helped me. They've helped my wife. They've helped so many people that we know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number, again, for your free consultation is 501-279-2009. Now, if you're saying, boy, that sounds like something I need to look into, But I don't live anywhere near central Arkansas. Go to their website, turnmypoweron.com. Click on the button that says find a doctor near you. And I sure hope that you can. Well, it's that time again. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Don Washington Show
1: Tweet of the Day.
0: Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, the big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom, to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice, the way you want to, and have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the USA. All right, uh, today's Tweet of the Day is a two-parter. The great Benny Johnson had a clip from a recent speech by Dementia Joe Biden, and it went something like this. We want Americans to vote. We want every American's voice to be heard. Now we have to move the process forward. We know that more and more ballots are cast in early voting or by mail in America. We know that many states don't start counting those ballots until after the polls close on November 8th. That means in some cases we won't know the winner of the election for a few days, until a few days after the election. It takes time to count all legitimate ballots in a legal and orderly manner. Responding to that, the great Nick Searcy, international film and television star, said because the elections are corrupt, it will take a few days for Democrats to figure out many how many fake votes they have to manufacture. Joe Biden is a criminal. I agree with Nick Searcy. Joe Biden is a criminal. I'll say this, though. It's a lot harder to steal individual congressional races than it is, obviously, to have stolen the presidency as they did from Donald Trump two years ago. Pray for our country. Pray for our country. All right, you've been listening to Episode 274 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washman Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us, and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washman Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it, to Mansour's Computer Solutions, seventh floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier the tenth. And that's the way it is, Thursday, november third, twenty twenty two.